If you are turning with me in your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 28. Genesis 28, 10. Um, and I had a lot of other stuff that I was going to preach today. And just before, after talking with the worship team and studying, and I got up here early, earlier than normal today, um, because me and Zach had talked about some stuff early in the earlier in the week that sparked some things that I was studying, and I got really excited about and thought I was going to preach about that today and that it would be part of this message, but um, change that up. So I think maybe that's going to be working for next week, but it was super good. Just want to let y'all know. Sorry y'all can't hear it. It was life-giving. It was about bread and about the two miracles where Jesus fed the 5,000 and Jesus fed the 4,000. And we never talk about the 4,000 one for some reason with the seven loaves of bread. And so now i got to stop myself because uh, hopefully that gets you interested. I'll, I'll talk about that next week. We're going to cut that off of this message because as I was studying this morning and praying and just like I usually do, God was just really speaking through this first part. And... Yeah, we're going to talk about that. So today I want to talk to you about pillows and pillars. Pillows and pillars. Now some of y'all say that word the same. I need my pillars. I got my pillar. But it's actually two different things. Okay, so we're going to talk about pillows and pillars. And I want to start out this message by saying, I know you've been in a hard place. None of us planned this year. Well, I mean, we did probably have some plans for this year, but they were probably all affected in some way or another. On our jobs, in businesses, with church, with going online, with do we meet this week, do we not meet this week. Do, like every single one of us have had to make choices with our family, choices with our work. Cho- like we've had decisions and choices made for us on what we have to do or can do or can't do or shut down or not. There have been all kind of things that we didn't see coming. And I think it's kind of funny that at the beginning of the year, like every pastor in January preached messages like saying 2020 year of perfect vision and then none of us saw it coming I had to like two weeks ago Pastor Bruce made me turn in my prophets card nope you're not one you didn't see it coming I'm just kidding I'm just kidding he didn't really make me turn it in but I don't claim to be one but I know some people that do claim to be prophets and in January they were preaching about 2020 but they didn't see it coming either So, I know this year has been hard on different levels for different people, and it's been really hard for some of you. But it's probably affected us all. It's been kind of hard, kind of crazy. And if you hadn't figured it out, life's hard. I mean, we're talking about this year, but honestly, life's hard. Jesus said, in this world, you'll have trouble. In this world, you're going to have tribulation, but you can be of good cheer. or You can have joy because I have overcome the world. Like I've already made a way, but you do need to know there's trouble coming. Like stuff's going to happen. Mainly because we live in the world with other people. Trouble. 
So this year's been crazy. It's been probably pretty hard for you. Have you ever been surprised at how hard something is? Like you went into it not thinking it was going to be that bad, and then you say, man, that was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. And maybe that's this year for you. And maybe it was a relationship for you or a job or just a project. God, that turned out to be a whole lot more involved in that than, than I thought. We're surprised at how hard something is. One time Jesse was surprised at how hard my abs were. Not true. Uh, but I sounded good. <laughs> but have you ever been surprised at how hard something was? thought, man, I thought it would be easier. Well, I got good encouraging news for you. Welcome to life. Welcome home. Welcome to your life. Like, it's hard. If we realize that and know that there are going to be hard things, there are going to be challenges in life. And if we're really in relationship with each other, then we know that in relationship there will come challenges. There will be disagreements and there will be ups and downs. Like, But we need to know that's coming. And not just live in this social media world where all we can show is the beautiful. And we hide the ugly because it's so unhealthy. And we're never real. So yeah, this is a good way to start out the message. Are you encouraged yet? Life is hard. Dun, dun, dun. Do you ever feel like there are rocks and boulders and sometimes mountains in your way? Whoa. Kids are rocking out there in kids' space. So I want to tell you like those rocks and those boulders and those mountains that come up in your life, those hard things that seem to be blocking your path, they can either be stumbling blocks or stepping stones. And you get to choose. See, it, it just depends on what you do with them or really how you react to them. What you do with the hard things that happen, how you react to the hard things that happen when, when you're headed down this path, this purpose, your, your plan for this year, and a big giant boulder's in your way, this hard thing shows up. Whatever it is, it's probably a different hard thing for different ones of us, but we all have those things that just show up in our path, and it can be a stepping stone to get you to a higher level. In fact, that's God's plan for it. Or it can be a stumbling block, and you can find yourself laying flat on your face on the other side of that rock all the time. And you can look around at other people, and it's real easy to get jealous and say, well, how come he's made it so high in life? He's had these rock ladders placed in front of him that have helped him climb higher, and all I ever do is just end up on my face because there's these rocks that trip me. It's the same rocks in front of him that's in front of you. It's what you do with the hard things that matter. So here's my word for you. Stop tripping and start stepping. There's going to be hard things in front of you. Don't trip over them. Step on them. Let them take you higher. Stop tripping. Start stepping. 
So I want to talk to you, and we're only going to go one place in Scripture today. I don't remember the last time we did that. We're only going to one place. And I want to talk to you about Jacob. And we all know Jacob, and he's mentioned every time you talk about the fathers of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's just Jacob. He's famous in the Jewish history, and then now for us as Christians, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I know you know the name. You know about Jacob. We've preached, I've preached messages about Jacob. But he was born into a hard place. His life was not easy for old Jacob. And some of it was because of things that he did. And some of it was because of just what he was born into and, and what he had to overcome. And there was a whole lot of family drama going on with, with Jacob. Um, his name means deceiver or heel grabber. Because when he was born, he had a twin brother, and he was trying to get out first in the womb. They were having a race, and his brother got ahead of him, and he lost the race. So he started life as a loser. And he grabbed his brother's heel, trying to get out of mama first. And so his mama named him Heel Grabber, because right off the bat, he was a loser. He had a hard life, had some things spoken over him that weren't true. God had a purpose and a plan for him. He stole his brother's identity, birthright. Remember, he was a good cook, and he cooked up this pot of beans and traded it for his brother's birthright, caught him when he was starving, about to die. He tricked his dad into giving him the family blessing by killing a goat and putting goat skin all over him so his dad would think it was him because his dad was going blind. So he took advantage of a handicapped person. Like he... This dude... This is one of the fathers of our faith. A lot, of, a lot of family drama going on there. Hard place. We know that he was a mama's boy. And we know that, as Scripture says, he liked dwelling inside the tents. He was not an outdoorsy person. He didn't want to go camping or hiking. He liked staying in the house and cooking. I bring that up because this part of the story we're going to see is he doesn't get to be in the house anymore. He has to become that rough and tumble, outdoorsy kind of person. But he likes staying in the tent. And now his father gives him the blessing, even though he had to trick him for it. And he says, well, now it's time for you to go. Go find your purpose, what God wants to do with you, and go find a wife and have a bunch of kids and, and bless the whole earth. Bye. And Jacob leaves, and he's going through this wilderness, desert place, and he's seeking God's purpose and God's plan for his life. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. We're going to start reading in verse 10. And Jacob went out to Beersheba, and he went toward Haran. And he lighted up, <coughs> lighted upon a certain place. You ever been there to a certain place? And he tarried there all night. Why? If you go look up where this was, it was a desert place. It wasn't a place you would just want to go hang out. And so why did he tarry there all night? Oh, it tells us. Because the sun was set. 
Oh, so it got dark. So pretty much he was stuck there. Right? He didn't choose, the, I'm going to lodge here. This is a wonderful looking hotel and a nice place to stay. No, he was on his journey seeking God's purpose and blessing on his life. And then because of circumstances, because of the weather, the sun went down and it got pitch black dark. So he had to stay there. He was stuck there for the night. And he took of the stones of that place and he put them for his pillows. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Hold up. He used a stone for a pillow. Anybody ever sleep on a stone? No. I haven't either. Um, so this guy's in a desert place. He's not an outdoorsy person. He, he thought he was doing everything right, and he got the family blessing, and he was going after God's purpose and call for his wife and looking for his future and at least the hope that he had for a future. And now he finds himself in a dark, desert place with no comfort. There's nothing there to comfort him or to make him comfortable. He laid his head on a rock. That's the most comfortable thing you could find to sleep on. I mean, it seems like maybe the ground would have been better than a rock. I don't know about y'all, but um, to me, in my mind, a good pillow is very important. I love a soft, like me and Jesse have a super soft mattress because I used to work at a mattress factory and I picked out this really soft mattress because I like a super soft mattress. Now, the problem is I don't work there anymore and it's been years and we, you know, that thing's probably should have already been cashed in, but it's super soft. But I place more value on a good pillow than I do even on the mattress. Like we go somewhere, if, if we go out of town or something, as long as if I have enough soft pillows, even if it's a hard mattress, it's okay. I can get a good night's sleep. If you have a good soft, maybe that's, a, that's probably a word for somebody. Like, get a good pillow. You'll sleep better. You'll be a better spouse. You'll be nicer to your kids. Just get a good pillow. Right? Get some sleep. There's some things. Just trying to help you out. When I went to Colorado last week for ministry thing, two weeks ago, for a ministry thing, really cool opportunity with Pastor Bruce and Pastor Tim and a guy named Rick led some worship. And like on the flight, we only could bring like a little carry-on bag. So normally when I go out of town, I would try to bring my pillow from my house couple of pillows with me and I couldn't because I just had the little carry-on bag so we got there and sure enough I was on a little bunk bed and it had one little like I'm gonna call it a ultra thin one pillow and then the bed was real hard well I like to sleep on my side and I found out from Jesse and Sky, that when I'm sleeping on my side, I don't snore as much. And I was in the room with some other pastors, so I was trying to, you know, be thoughtful. And, well, 
when you lay on your side on a hard mattress that you don't sink into at all, and then you got no pillow, that's not comfortable. <laughs> I folded the pillow in half and tried to put it under my head, and it still wasn't enough. I tried to bend it again into four times that, I mean, I did not get good rest. I woke up over and over and over. And then I heard this really weird noise that I could not figure out. Uh, so I forgot how tired I was and laid there listening to the noise to try to figure it out. It turned out to be an elk bugling. You ever heard an elk bugle? Sounds kind of like a hurt woman. I think I'm really getting off track with this. Oh, okay. How important the pillow is. Not for comfort. To get rest. There was nothing comfortable about this place for him. Right? He, I'm sure he couldn't have slept that good on a rock. Have you ever slept on a rock? Have you ever been in a place so hard that you can't find comfort? Maybe you've never physically slept on a rock, but have you been in a place where you just couldn't find comfort? You've been in a place that was hard, a place where you were hurting, a place maybe you lost something big, and you just couldn't get comfortable. You couldn't find rest in that place. And you know that Jesus promised to give us rest. And, and you wonder like, well, well, why can't I have rest? Why everybody else seems like they're getting rest. When I look on Facebook, her picture looks like she doesn't have bags under her eyes. She got rest. Where's my rest? I bet you've been in a hard place like that before. How about looking for your future and ending up in a hard marriage? You probably never dreamed that, that you would be addicted. Like you don't plan that, but then you end up in that place and, and you can't find rest or comfort. Or... Maybe, like, no matter what all was going around, you knew, well, at least my kids are okay. And then you found yourself in a place where he said, well, no, not even my kids are okay now. The place of no rest, no comfort. What about with a job or a business or a sickness or in ministry? Have you ever been to a place in life where you felt like you're not enough? Like, am I doing enough? Am I, am I a good enough employee or am I a good enough husband or wife or father? Or like, am I doing, am I helping anybody? Am I, am I walking out my purpose? Am, am I enough? I want to tell you today before we go on with the message 
We've got to learn how to be honest in the hard place. We've got to take off the mask. We can't pretend. We have to be real. We have to be honest. And it's so important in the hard places. Real life's not a social media post. It's hard. See, I mean, you think about the things that that we throw up on Facebook or something. Okay, those are great moments. You might look at those moments and say, wow, your life's awesome. Every picture I've seen you put on social media of you and Jesse, y'all are just happy and doing something awesome. Yeah, that's the pictures we put up. Imagine, what if we were having a disagreement and she hadn't realized I was right yet? And, or, okay, let's make it a little more realistic. What if I had aggravated her so bad that she was done? All right. And then she said, leave me alone. And I pulled out my phone and went live on Facebook and started videoing her being mad at me. How do you think that will go? Not very well. What if she ran away into our room and said, leave me alone, and I followed her? No, the people want to see the real you. That's probably not going to go good for me. I'm going to do it after dinner, too. Make sure I still get some. <laughs> the reality is we, we put up what we want people to see. Life is hard and relationships are hard and you're going to have annoying husbands and stuff. That's just part of it. It's God's blessing to keep you sharp. Thank him. <laughs> People ask me, what, did, what was the biggest thing you learned as a kid growing up with nine younger siblings? I say, I became a professional aggravator. Give me five minutes with somebody and I can figure out how to aggravate the fire out of them. Now, I know that's not right. I learned a lot of other good traits from having nine younger brothers and sisters which we won't discuss. But we have to learn how to be honest and real. And no, I'm not talking about throwing up all your junk on Facebook for the whole world to see. But I'm saying we have to be real with the, especially the people that live in your house, your spouse. You, you need to, if you're not in a place where you can be real with them, it's going to be hard for you to be real with anybody else. But then we need relationships. You need friends. You need people that you can be real with. You need people you can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I'm not comfortable. Hey, I, I don't like the circumstances. Hey, I'm whatever it is. We have to be real about our condition. And I worry sometimes, like, because I do it so bad, like, I can be not okay. 
and somebody asks me, hey, how you doing? And I say, fine, I'm good. <laughs> and try to hide it. I thought about that story in Matthew um, where Jesus and the disciples were coming through and there was a blind man and he was screaming at the top of his lungs, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd told him to be quiet, shut up, stop. And he just screamed louder, the Bible tells us. And then Jesus stopped and said, hey, bring him to me. So then the same crowd that told him to shut up is now telling him, come on, he's calling you. What are you doing? Let's go. Let's get to him. And he comes over and, and like, it seems like kind of a jerk move by Jesus because Jesus asked him a question and he said, what do you want from me? He said, what do you want me to do for you? If I'm one of the disciples, I'm going to be standing there like, really, Jesus? Are you just making fun of this guy? Isn't it obvious what he wants? He's blind. He's been blind his whole life. Can't you tell by the glasses and the cane? No, he had a, back then he would have even been wearing a robe that certified him legally as a blind man so that he could beg for money legally because he couldn't go work a job. So it, was, it would have been very obvious that this guy was blind. It's not like Jesus just missed it. Jesus said, oh, what do you want? What do you want me to do for you? Right, and as I was thinking about this, this part of the message, and, oh, and the blind guy said, that I might see, like I want my sight. I'm blind. I want to see. I'll take the responsibility that comes with sight, please. Thank you. Right, like you can have this garment. You can have this robe. I, I understand it's going to change my whole world, but I want to see. And I feel like some of us today with social media and, and with each other and with the relationships and we're, we're so hard, like it's so hard to open up and really connect with people because we only want them to see the good parts that we've trained ourselves that like if Jesus even came in and said, hey, what do you want from me? Oh, I'm fine. We're good. Kids, act right. Here's Jesus. We don't want to expose our brokenness. If you can't see your brokenness, if you won't admit you have a problem, then you'll never fix it. Jacob stopped here, not by choice, but because he couldn't go on. It got dark. He couldn't just keep wandering in the dark. He had to stop. Have you been there this year? Like you got forced to stop. You had to stop. You had to stay home. You had to... You had to stop. You had to stop a sport. You had to stop something. Verse 12. And he dreamed... And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Well, that was a weird dream. Yeah, you try sleeping on a rock in the desert. You probably have some weird dreams too. 
But wait, he saw a ladder touching earth and reaching all the way up to heaven. Saw a place where heaven touches earth. The connection. In your pursuit of purpose and blessing, remember that's what he was doing. He was chasing, he was pursuing the purpose for his life and God's blessing for his life. In your pursuit of purpose and blessing, remember the place that God wants to give you is a place where heaven touches earth. The Jewish temple, the synagogues, but the temple that Solomon built was the place of connection. It's the place where the Ark of the Covenant would be. It was the place where God was. And if you wanted to connect with God, you wanted the place where heaven connected with earth, you had to go to the temple. But see, after the cross, we're all the temple. And in, in your purpose, and when you're walking out the call that God has on your life, and you're walking in the blessings that God has for you, you are that temple. You are that place. The ground that you own and the land on which you live is supposed to be a connection point of heaven to earth. So that when people come in contact with you, there's that connection there. That's what he saw here. Know you not that you are the temple of the living God? Verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. And the land whereon thou liest, to thee I will give it and to thy seed. Wait, the land whereon thou liest? Remember, it was a hard place. It was a desert. There wasn't anything comfortable there. He was laying on a dang rock. But thank you. You're going to give me this place. I really appreciate it. Do you ever feel like what God's given you, your inheritance is hard? Wow, this is wonderful. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You won't stay in that hard place. He said he moved to the north and the south and the east. God said, hey, look, there's a lot of hope for your future. You're going to go to the north and the south and the east and the west, and, and you're going to have so many kids, and your seed, what's the purpose? It's that you're going to bless all people across the whole earth. You're going to be a blessing to all these people. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places, whether thou goest, and will bring thee again unto this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee. God said, I'm going to go with you. Right? I'm going to be with you. Don't worry. 
Right, you're in a hard place right now. You don't really know where you're going. You don't really know what you're doing. You've, you've been through a lot of hard things. There's a whole lot of family drama going on. I know your brother hates you, and he said he's going to kill you if he ever sees you again. And like all that stuff, but here's what you need to know. I'm going to be with you. From now on, I'm giving you this land. And from now on, no matter what, No matter what it looks like around you, you need to know, I'm going to be with you. And that's what God says to each one of us. But sometimes we have to leave our comfort zones. Well, I, 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 like, my, I like my comfort zone. I like my recliner. I like my spot on the couch. But comfort zones and callings don't go hand in hand. Ask Abraham and Moses and David and Jesus. Do you want to follow your calling? Do you want to walk in purpose? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to change the world? Or do you want to be comfortable because they, they don't work together? It doesn't take any faith to be comfortable. See, if you want to go after your call, if you want to go after your purpose, then you will need to leave the place, the chair of comfort, we'll call it, that you're in. Well, will I have comfort when I walk in my calling? I mean, if I got to get out of my lazy boy recliner and, and chase after my calling, am I going to be comfortable when I get to my calling? As if your calling or your purpose is a destination. It's not. It's a journey. Not her. Well, am I going to be comfortable when I get there? Yeah. But it will not come from the chair. Your comfort won't come from your surroundings. Your comfort won't come from the circumstances. See, your comfort won't come from having a comfortable pillow or a five-star hotel in the desert when you're on your journey. No, your comfort comes from knowing who is with you on the journey. Your comfort comes from knowing that your God is with you. What he just told Jacob is, I'm going to be with you. He didn't take him out of the desert. He didn't give him a comfortable pillow, which he could have. He didn't change his circumstances. He just said, hey, I'm going to give you this hard land, but I'm going to be with you. Wherever you go, I'm going to be with you. Your comfort will come from who you are with. And you see, as God begins to add connections to your life, it's not just your connection with God. It's the people that He connects you to that bring you comfort. The Holy Spirit brings us comfort, and the Holy Spirit is in believers. 
So when you go through a hard thing in life, people say, well, how could you go through that? How could you lose a child? Or how could you, whatever, these major hard things that we go through in life, and some people fall apart or, you know, fall into addiction, and some people make it through. How? It's because they're connected. And from what I've seen, the more connected you are, the more comfort you receive from the people around you and your circumstance may not change, right? You may not get back what you lost. But you'll have a comfort that isn't determined by what's going on around you. That's the kind of comfort I want. I don't want to be comforted by my things, by my stuff. I know some people that are happy as can be in a little bitty house and drive a truck they have to jump off every time they need to go somewhere. And know some other people that have multi-million dollar houses and brand new cars and they're not happy. They're searching and wanting and needing something. Not about stuff. God will give you a challenge every day. And then you get to choose the chair or the challenge. Obedience, disobedience. Verse 16, let's finish up this story. And Jacob waked out of his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. Whoa, hey, God's here. And I knew it not. Man, I thought this was just a hard place. I, last night when I was fumbling around in the dark trying to find a good soft rock for a pillow, I didn't even know God was here. I knew it not. And he was afraid and he said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. The NIV says that he said, how awesome is this place? Whoa. He woke up and said, this place is awesome. Wow, this is the, this is the house of God. This is the gateway to heaven. This place is awesome. And I didn't even know it yesterday. Last night when things were dark and I couldn't find a pillow, I didn't know that this place was so awesome. This Motel 6 is awesome. Said no one. How awesome is this place? Um, Jacob, not too awesome, man. You're sleeping on the ground in the desert on a rock. and that doesn't look too awesome to me. Wait, you mean God didn't deliver him from this hard place? Nope. God gave him hope in the hard place. That's what God does. He gave him hope. He talked to him about his future. He said, I'm going to give you from the north, south, east, west, and I'm going to be with you. So you don't have to be afraid. See, God just gave him hope in the middle of the hard place. And then 
after God said, I'm going to go with you. Then he gave him the hard place. He said, in fact, this place where you slept last night, this place, I'm going to give it to you. It's yours. That means you own it. The hard places don't have to own you and control you. Did you know you can own the hard places that you go through? Even if it's a spot where you didn't pick to be, even if it's a spot where things got dark, where where you can't find comfort, that you can own that hard place. God said, I'm going to give it to you. And when He gives it to you, and you own it, that means you can benefit from it. It means that even in a hard place, that's, remember Romans 8, 28. Our God works together all things to them that are called according to His purposes, them that love Him. That he works together all things for good. That's hard things too. That's good things, bad things, hard things, pain, suffering, that God works it all together for our good as stepping stones so God works it together for good for our benefit so God thank you for 2020 with all of its challenges and however hard it's been and whatever things we've had to go through and however we've had to to change the way we lead and and to refigure things and to do without things and to deal with other things that are put on us and and whatever that looks like. I want to be a mature enough people that can say, God, thank you for 2020. Why? Because I can see that we owned it. That we used it as stepping stones, that we didn't trip and land flat on our face. That we got stronger through it. That we learned through it. That that we grow through it. So how did he find hope in a hard place? Three things in these next two verses, and we're done. This is how Jacob found hope. And we know if we go on and read the story of Jacob, it worked. God gave him the land, and God gave him the kids, and God blessed the whole world through him and his God's still blessing us through him today as we talk about his story and God speaks to us. So we know that it worked. He did three things. Verse 18. And Jacob rose up early in the morning. That's number one. You got to get up early. I'm just kidding. That's not number one. He rose up early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and he set it up for a pillar. Wait, he took the stone that he was using for a pillow, the problem, the hard thing, the thing that wasn't giving him any comfort even though he was begging for comfort and needing comfort. He took the thing that that wasn't working, the hard thing, and he set it up as a pillow, as a pillar. From pillow to pillar. 
and he poured oil upon the top of it. Weird. So the first one is make your problem a pillar. What's your problem? What is it that, what's that hard thing that's facing you right now? What's that hard thing that's in front of you that you could trip over? What is it? Make it a pillar. A pillar is strong. A pillar is made to hold things up. Right? Think about a pillar. There's you a nice visual of a pillar over there. There's actually a steel beam behind that that's holding everything up. A pillar. He changed his perspective. If he kept seeing it as a pillow, and if he kept going to it for comfort, then he would have been disappointed and unsatisfied. Right? He had to change his perspective. It didn't transform from what it was. It was still a rock. Right? We're talking about changing your perspective. That The things out here didn't change. It was the same rock that he called a pillow last night. Today, he stood it up on its end and he said, it's a pillar. But if he kept going to that rock looking for comfort, then he would have kept getting disappointed. And if he kept going to that thing, he could have then said, I have the worst pillow in the world. God hates me. I prayed for that thing to get soft over and over and over and over. And it's still hard. No, he had to change his perspective. He stood it up. Here's your problem. Well, I know it's not any of y'all's problem. Here's your ex's problem. They've turned a problem into a partner instead of a pillow. I know that may not be you. Or maybe it is. See, we can turn this problem into a partner. And when we turn it into a partner, we carry it everywhere with us. This is my hard thing. This is the thing that hit me. This is the thing. I can't find any comfort. And you can't blame me. Because it's hard. And I didn't choose to be here. And this is my old hard rock that I'm dragging around. Some of us have allowed what should have been a stepping stone to be a stumbling block. Something that could have taken us higher or made us grow, made us stronger. We've tripped over it over and over and over. And eventually... You'll tell yourself, this is my lot in life. I'm nothing but a tripper. And I'm going to keep on tripping. And that was never God's plan. God's plan was for you to keep on stepping. 
to keep on climbing. The strength is inside you to go higher. You must let the hard or the problem be a foundation, a pillar that you build on. See, the the pillar holds things up. It's a, a good foundation. If it becomes a partner, then you carry it everywhere. Have you ever met somebody that has an excuse for everything? I know a couple of them. You come up with an excuse for everything. Well, I can't come to the gym. I got to get in a little better shape. I told that to Nathan a couple weeks ago, so I'm throwing that out. But Nathan's not even in here, is he? I got to get in a little better shape. I've heard somebody say this before. I want to go to church, but I got to get my life right first. Right? Like, that's ridiculous. That's like saying, I want to go to the hospital, but I got to get myself to stop bleeding first. Uh, that makes no sense. It's like saying, I want to serve. I want to help people and I want to serve, but uh, I got to wait till I get some time. But I want to see if God will come through in my finances so when I can afford it, I'm going to try tithing or, or what? I'm too busy right now. Let your problem or your excuse become the altar of sacrifice like Jacob did. Change your perspective. Hey, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this up as a pillar. It's not a problem. Number two, next thing he did, he poured oil on it. We talked about oil a few weeks ago, how throughout Scripture, oil represents worship and it represents the anointing. That each one of us is given a measure of faith and we all have an anointing inside of us, a light, an anointing. It's worded all different ways throughout Scripture, but the oil, the pouring on of the oil can represent the anointing, what you have, what you're good at, that, that you would pour out and of worship. So he stood it up as a pillar and then he poured out worship. He poured out all that he had to give on it. He poured out his talents, what he was good at, what what God had placed inside of him. God, I can't figure it out, but I trust you. Hey, God, I this is a hard place and like thanks for giving it to me and everything, but uh I don't see how this is going to bless the whole entire world and everybody in it. But you know what? I'm going to choose to worship you even in this hard place. Yeah, I'm going to choose to pour out my anointing. I'm going to pour out my oil. I'm going to I'm going to worship. It makes me think of Paul and Silas when they got beaten for preaching the gospel and locked up and they were in shackles hanging there chained up by their hands and feet and And Paul looks at Silas and says, hey, man, you know what we should do? 
and you know, Silas is probably, you know, I just Googled five smartest things to do when you get thrown in high security prison. And it's number one, I, I looked some of these up. Uh, but I worked with my cousin Lonnie, so I already knew most of them. Um, <laughs> number one is act as crazy as possible so people don't mess with you. Some people aren't comfortable with acting that crazy. And so the number two thing to do when you get thrown in prison is to find the craziest person and punch them in the face as hard as you can. So these are probably the things that are going through Silas's mind. Like when Paul's like, hey, you know what we should do? And he's like, act crazy. Paul's like, no, dude. Act crazy. Oh, punch the crazy guy. No. Bro, we should sing. Uh, nah. What are you talking about? Man, we start singing, we're dead. What are you talking about? Like show tunes? Are we going to try to entertain them? Paul, man, I respected you out there when we were preaching and stuff, but you're an idiot. You, you ain't never lived life on the streets, have you? You don't come in prison and start singing. What do you want to sing anyways? Well, I was thinking we could worship. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't even know you. You're going to get us killed, dude. We're going to be the softest two dudes in this jail. You can forget it. I ain't singing. Come on, man. We got to worship. Why? Because Paul knew. We're in a hard place. I don't know why things turned out like this. I'm in a whole lot of pain right now. Literally, they were in a lot of pain. They just got whipped and beaten. But they began to worship. They started singing Waymaker. I don't know what they were singing. But they began to pour out their oil in a bad situation. And we know what happened there. An earthquake came and freed all the prisoners and the doors came open and the, the jailer and all his household ended up getting saved and believing in God and believing in Jesus because of the mighty works that were done there. Right, so God touches all these people because somebody was willing to pour out some oil on a hard place. In, in a time that they didn't understand, in a time where things didn't look like they were supposed to look. He poured out his oil. Jacob poured out his oil. See, they took pain and, and problems and they turned it into worship and praise. You can take pain and problems and turn it into worship and praise. Yep. That's the most powerful worship and praise there is. That's the kind of worship and praise that scriptures tell us teaches angels. Like angels look at you pouring out praise in a hard time and they're like, whoa. Take notes on that. Dang, they were... They were Revelation tells us that the angels were singing Moses' song in heaven. Like Moses wrote a song that was so good that the angels were singing it in heaven. And I want to be the kind of person that pours out my oil in a hard place to the point where angels are looking down and saying, Dang, 
Man, Dusty went through that, and he's pouring out his oil. Whoo! Last thing he did, third and last thing, verse 19 says, And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at the first Wait, so the name of the place where he was was called Luz. He set up a pillar, took his problem, set it up as a pillar, poured out his oil on it, and he said, this ain't Luz. I don't care what it looks like. It was Luz, but it's not Luz now. It's called Bethel. Luz means twisted, separated. No connection, departure. That's what the place was. You know, in a hard place, right, in pain, in a place where you can't find comfort, it's real easy to get twisted. It's super easy to get separated or disconnected. That's our go-to. That's what we want to do. I don't know about you, but when I'm in a hard place or when I'm hurting or when I'm in a lot of pain, I want to close off. I want to run away. I want to disconnect, especially from healthy relationships. People that are going to ask, what's wrong with you? Why are you making those decisions? Why are you doing that? Why are you acting like that? That's not you. That's not who God's called you to be. Those are the people that... You want to run away from. You want to disconnect from. That's Luz. You do twisted things when you're in a hard place or in a place of pain. And you're disconnected. That's Luz. You know what Bethel means? House of God. Connection. You know that connection that we talked about a minute ago from heaven to earth, the temple of God, the house of God, the connection? That's Bethel. It's the connection. Connection to God. Connection to relationships. The connection from heaven to earth. He said, hey, this place looks hard. It looks twisted. It, it's been called separated. Departure, the place where people leave. But I'm going to rename it the house of God. So he wakes up and he said, surely the Lord is in this place. He turned his problem into a pillar. Then he poured oil on it. And he said, this is the house of God. This is the place of connection. God didn't deliver him. His location didn't change. I feel like today as we end this message that it's time for some of us to rename some things in our lives. That was the last thing he did was renamed it. We got to rename some things. Rename the problem. Instead of worst marriage ever, work in progress. Instead of the dream is dead, 
God's setting up a big miracle. You see, don't forget that we're people of faith. We, we call ourselves people of faith. We believe in the impossible. We believe that things can happen like we have hope. Now God's in the future calling us. We walk by faith and not by sight. It's not about what we can see around us. It's not about what the circumstances look like. We're going to worship and praise. I can think about like, it, it changes things to know that God said He'll go with us. Right, to know that God has that purpose and that plan and that God's in your future and if He's the one calling you and He said He would go with you, you can't lose. And we already talked about earlier in the message that He said no matter what hard thing you come up against, good, bad, evil, ugly, somebody else, your mistake, that He can use it all you're called according to his purpose and you're going after it you're running after that thing that he can use it all so we know we're going to win right think about that like if i knew the falcons were going to win today which i do that wasn't a joke <laughs> we're winning today <laughs> okay if I knew that the Falcons were going to win, as a Falcons fan, you know what I would want to see? I'd want to see them get down by 179 points. If I knew that we were going to come back and win, it just makes the win that much better. It makes it more impressive. Who cares? Score another. Let them score three more touchdowns. I don't care. Let some dude come off the bench and run for 500 yards because I know we're going to win. So the more they rack up on us, the more impressive it is. If we can ever change our perspectives and get our mentality right and know that no matter how many hard things we come up against, no matter how many stones are thrown in our path, and well, well, Lord, it ain't even a stone anymore. I don't get dang stone mountains thrown in my path. Well, wow, we know that God's going to win and that He has a plan for your life and a purpose for you and a plan for your future. So we know that you're going to win. So the more obstacles that are thrown in your way, it's just a more impressive win. It's just a bigger victory for you. If you don't get depressed and give up and quit and stop fighting and run away and disconnect and get all twisted and live in luz the rest of your life, turn the problem into a pillar. Worship. Pour out your oil. Give what you have. Now we're getting into next week. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to us. God, we've all been through hard things. This year's been hard for all of us. And for most of us in the room, we've been through things in our life that were harder than this year.
God, thank you for the reminder that you are with us and you will always be with us. God, we thank you for the connections, the people that you've placed in our lives to bring us comfort. God, help us to turn our problems into pillars, stepping stones instead of stumbling blocks. Help us to pour out our, our worship, the anointing, the giftings that you've placed in us. Help us to pour them out. God, we choose calling over comfort. We choose to obey you and be comforted by who we're with, not what we have. God, today we rename some things in our lives. God, we love you. Thank you for grace and mercy. And thank you that you pick us up every time we fall. We thank you that you cared so much for us that you would bankrupt heaven. That you would send the most valuable thing you have to die for us. That you sowed a son. And now we are your sons and your daughters. It's a privilege and an honor to be part of your family. We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.